Gather round. This is the Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Wingstop. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Coming at you live in the heart of Lincoln, America. I say, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Jake Bakovin and Enrique Alvarez Cleary. Oh, what a day to be alive. The Huskers are just one day away from claiming the top of the Big Ten West all alone. I guess they'll need a little Maybe. bit of help uh, from, uh, what is it, Minnesota? To Minnesota. Help with that. And a little help out yeah. from uh, Lala. Who would have thought Husker fans have to ask PJ Fleck for help? <laughs> well, How painful is that? I, I don't think it, it matters too much for uh, the, the the staff or fans or whatever uh, to be on top oh, no, solo. The, the staff and the and the players, they whatever, that's fine, whatever. But for the fans, they'd love it. They would love it. So every Husker fan out there, you know what you're doing after? Well, before the Husker game, you're watching that Minnesota Illinois game. And you're rooting for the Gophers. <laughs> PJ Fleck. Yep. PJ PJ Fleck is your favorite person <laughs> for however many hours on Saturday until the Husker game starts. Hey, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think it makes a little bit of sense, maybe, if you're looking to to right the ship, to look around the division and look at the guys that have been doing it. Look at the guy who knows ships. Yeah, the guy <laughs> well, that boats. rows boats and ships. You know, <laughs> he knows watercrafts. <laughs> That's right. P.J. Fleck, Brett Bielema, that's in my mind. Brett Bielema can't fit in a watercraft. That should be two of your top uh, candidates out there, but uh, we'll see how that goes. So Why? I'll, I'll pay close attention. Why? Why? Because yeah, why they, win, they win in the Big Ten West. They win the way that Nebraska But do they win outside of the Big Ten West? Well. The Big Ten West might not even be a thing. It might not. Well, it might be if they split it up. I saw like a mock something or another uh, for the Big Ten in the future. Yeah. Big Ten West, still a thing, but it was... USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Iowa, Nebraska. Yeah, that might change a little bit of what you're looking for. In the and Big then Ten there West. was a Big Ten Central, uh, <laughs> and then there was a Big Ten East. So three. It three divisions. Very interesting. They can all play for the championship uh, against one another, three the, teams. The Big Ten Central would be a bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> I think both Michigan, both Michigan schools, mm. Ohio State, uh, I think there was a Purdue – uh, Illinois, Indiana, maybe. I think those were the schools in the Big Ten Jeez. Central. And I was like, that just – Wisconsin, I think, was in there as well. Uh, just a bloodbath. <laughs> maybe Ohio State was in the Big Ten East with, like, Penn State and Rutgers and Maryland, yeah. uh, whoever the hell else well, is out there. But it just looked like a bloodbath. It did not look, like, fun <laughs> at all. And I was like, yeah, Nebraska gets the good end of the stick there, although you get, you know, your, your four West Coast teams. Yeah, I think, I think they are going to get uh, – um, you know, one way or the other, it's going to be interesting, and it would be nice to know for future planning. You know, if you're looking at philosophical hires, what your future schedule is going to look like. But that's not something that Nebraska gets to do. Nope, that's part of the trouble of kind of being down in this uh, this particular year. But let's go ahead and bring on Brian Munson of Husker Online, as we do every Friday, to prepare us for uh, the Nebraska game this week. It's Nebraska Purdue, and uh, we'll talk about that here in a second. But first, what everybody else is talking about, what everybody's been talking about, uh, Brian, we've got to ask you about the black shirts being taken away for the rest of the season. Do you see this as a, as a big deal or not? Uh, not really. I mean, I understand it. I mean, I think the Blackbirds thing is, is wonderful. I, I think the fact that it was kind of birthed out of this kind of um, need to contrast, you know, the different uh, play, the different units of defense, you know, 
and the black the black jersey went to the top level guys you know we could have been, been very easily talking about the the blue shirts or something else you know it, it's just it's such an out of luck kind of thing and and I, I know it's a wonderful tradition and I know everybody gets really pumped up when it comes to talking about it but I think we would all agree that these guys typically play hungrier and respond very very well when when things have been taken away from them and they're still trying to like establish that identity of being worthy of, of putting on that, that black shirt and, and claiming to be like the number one guy at his position, you know, on that particular team. So not a, not a big, uh, not, not, not too distraught over them being taken away for the rest of the season. I think it also kind of clears a path, I think, for the coaching staff to, to say, we don't want to talk about that again. We're, we're in the business of winning games and we've got to knuckle down right now because they're, they're heading into to some, you know, with, with the bye week coming up, they still are heading into this stretch of, of Big Ten games, and they could potentially, you know, get to bowl eligible, and they they got a very good chance, like you had mentioned before, to be leading the leading the West, you know, here at the end of Saturday. So it's there's a lot of things that they're still playing for that I think a lot of people are looking past when it comes to the head coaching search and how recruiting is coming together, et cetera. Yeah, it, it, it's fascinating to see how, you know, all this is playing out week to week. Um, and Nebraska's got another challenge here out in front of them uh, with yeah. uh, the Purdue Boilermakers. Obviously a 14, I think it's down to 13 and a half, whatever it is, the point spread, pretty pretty big um, for for Purdue on Purdue's side. Do you kind of get that feeling when you just, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, would is that a, does that seem about fair? I'm not asking you to predict the game, but, uh, you know, some people thought that was kind of, kind of big, but at the other point, you know, I think we could all agree if they play like they did against Rutgers against Purdue it probably won't turn out with a victory yeah I agree with that too I mean Nebraska did not come out firing on any cylinders at all on Friday night against Rutgers I know that, though that was on the road and they, and they got back to at least shutting them down in the second half and putting enough points on the board at least to get the win but it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't clean. There were so many other things that you can kind of say about that. But they got the job done, and I think that that's still a confidence builder. And you needed that to kind of get ready to at least go into Purdue because this is going to be a tough, tough test. Um, you're, you're facing a six-year quarterback who is probably looking at you know having some sort of a pro career once he leaves uh, college football. Um, they are, they are dinged up. They're banged up. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're, they, they've got injuries on both sides of the football. One of the things, of course, that benefited Nebraska against, against Rutgers was having a couple of receivers out. Oh, actually that was Indiana. Um, but you have, you, you had an injury to Vedral and then you had a couple of injuries to, to wide receivers against Indiana. So you've had these things that have kind of played into your, into your favor the last couple of weeks, but then you're going to have that possibility again on, on Saturday night. It's just, this is a little bit different team and I think that you also have to look at that you know the experience that's there on the coaching staff you know and 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 is the last name Brome is that that's his that's how you pronounce his last name right Brom, yeah yep. yeah he is an incredible play caller and he has a way of kind of dialing up a game um that will that will challenge Nebraska and I think he knows what he's up against I mean he's got an interim head coach um, he's got a guy that's that's replacing you know the, the previous defensive coordinator who's who's done a pretty good job. I'm sure they have a, a really good chance to to go back and look at Nebraska and see what kind of adjustments that they've made the last couple of weeks. They're going to be ready, and and I think that they while they've got some offensive line concerns just like Nebraska does, 
I think that they just have, they're just a little bit more ready and, and are a little bit better in some other spots. It's going to make it a challenge for Nebraska all Saturday night. We're speaking with Brian Munson on Three Sports Husker Online. Brian, there's a possibility that Nebraska's defense will be without Quentin Newsom and Luke Reimer and or Luke Reimer. Um, and I, I was wondering if the possibility of losing Luke Reimer, would that open the door for one of the nickels to move to middle linebacker? Would you go with Edova Malga Clements? Do you do you decide to burn the red shirt for Ernest Hausman? Where exactly do you think the Huskers are looking at to fill that, that middle linebacker spot? And then for the corner spot, uh, you'll, you'll probably be more than likely looking at Brandon Moore opposite of, of Malcolm Hartzog. So you've got a freshman and a, and a transfer newcomer starting in that secondary. How, how big is that going to be for Nebraska's defense trying to fill in for those two uh, playmakers? Yeah, and Reimers was what? The leading ranked defender last week for the Nebraska defense. I think he was up there pretty high that was getting some national and some conference attention as well. I think when uh, some other professional eyes have kind of looked and evaluated the Nebraska defense, I think that they have been the most impressed with Reimer and uh, what he is able to do kind of sideline to sideline and, and, and being a very active presence in there. So that's, that's difficult. And I don't, I don't know how Nebraska kind of rolls, uh, rolls forward I, I think that that there is some some optimism that he could be ready to go on Saturday um I think it was kind of one of those things too where I, I didn't even really kind of see it in the game at all like where you know he might have picked up the injury and and, and essentially that had you know was gone from that point forth I just don't really remember like him being down or, or kind of seeing that thing happening um it's going to be interesting to see how Nebraska kind of rolls through some guys. I think it's that's one of those spots there where I think Nebraska is going to be on the fly evaling and figuring out what has to happen there. The Hausman situation is interesting, right? Because clearly you're moving into a burn of the red shirt. And um, he obviously seemed pretty capable, you know, in a couple other contests earlier on in the year. Um, he's, he's been impacted, of course, you know, with an early change, you know, since he's gotten there in January with, with not having chins around anymore, but he still got, still has rude there. Coach rude. There's still kind of that conduit. And, um, I, I think that that would potentially be an option. I, I'm sure that Nebraska, you know, is saying to themselves that they're going to try to stay away from doing that as much as possible. Um, as for the secondary, um, I, I, I think that that one's the most interesting because, Herzog from two weeks ago was kind of the hero, and then all of a sudden against Rutgers, they came out and started picking on him right away. And and, and although he was able to kind of close things out with kind of a, a game-ending interception against Rutgers, he had a rough night. And he went from being that guy that could return you know, a, a punt block and, and, and take it to the house and, and kind of give Nebraska this, this great momentum and and was playing great, you know, basically back there. I don't, I don't know how Nebraska beats Indiana, honestly, if Herzog doesn't respond to being kind of put into the spotlight. But it, it obviously then catch, it caught up with him uh, the next week up the, out there in Piscataway against Rutgers. And, and now all of a sudden you, you, you potentially are down a guy in Newsom, which I think people, again, are still kind of optimistic that he might be back. And you're trying to you're telling Herzog he may not have, they may not have a kind of security blanket behind him, you know, to, to be able to pull somebody else off the bench to, to put him out there. And it could get tough. It could get really, really tough because you've got a six year quarterback, like we talked about, 
and they're obviously they've obviously seen some things that 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 you know came from that Rutgers game, um, and they know that they can pick on an inexperienced guy in general. Um, so yeah, I, I think the rotation the rotation back there is going to be another thing. They're going to be looking for things that are just going to have to work. And I think that the good news is at least is that they 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 have plenty of bodies back there. It's just they all lack experience except for some guys that have transferred in before that have kind of given gotten the look before at other spots at other at other schools so um it is going to be interesting to see what happens there i think it's going to be also interesting to see you know what kind of shakeups are maybe going to be there on saturday night when it comes to the offensive line because i've been hearing some rumors about that maybe some other guys that are that are going to be moving in and maybe potentially getting some playing time uh, moving over to the offensive side of the ball, actually, um, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda transfers. Uh, Nebraska now, you know, that receiver room, Mickey Joseph said that he still feels pretty good about it, still pretty strong. You've got Trey Palmer as your clear cut number one. In my eyes, Marcus Washington is your number two. But after that, at least for the wide receivers, not counting tight ends, uh, there's not a lot of production coming out of the rest of the receiver room. I, I like Alante Brown. I mean, he's he's really emerged. I thought Alante had really kind of emerged after the Northwestern game, where Castaneda had the biggest the biggest impact that game. And then after the the Northwestern game, you had some costly drops. You had at least one one fumble that I can recall. And I, I think that there were there was definitely him falling out of favor when it came around these bad plays. Um, but then Alante Brown kind of emerged. But then you're right. After that, it's like, well, thankfully there's been a guy like Vokalik because Vokalik has been a, a, a very consistent target, you know, for Casey Thompson. And, and of course, for that offense, kind of depend on it. And obviously, you you have you have Anthony Grant back there that's really helped take some pressure off the quarterback in the passing game in general. But I I, I do feel like um, the room. The room has got some top level guys, some some of the guys that are out there. You know, you, you've seen some guys like Manning that have been out there and made a catch here and there, but just not consistently enough to kind of feel like they're really part of, you know, part of the, the rotation, part of the targets that that Thompson is kind of looking down the field looking for. Um, there's 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 certainly been some things about about that room. You know, the the oddity of of Tommy Hill moving over, you know, mid season from, from secondary into the wide receiver room. I mean, talk about an unselfish dude that wants to try to find out any way to help out the team. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that there's Alante Brown has emerged and Castaneda should have been there. I think as that number three guy, cause I agree with your top two. And then Manning has just lacked some consistency that, that I think everybody wished was going to get there this season. Cause it would have been awesome to sit there and turn around and go, well, you got Palmer and Castaneda and, and Washington and Manning, and then there was kind of everybody else. Well, you've actually had to replace two of those guys at that top four, mm-hmm. and you're still looking for, I think, for some additional help, like you kind of like you kind of mentioned. Well, and and you were talking about the offensive line too, and that's I, I think the biggest problem, obviously, on the yep. on the offense. I guess just in general, you know, through recruiting circles or, or whatever. How did we get here? Because I know it's a, it's the second coach, uh, offensive line coach that we've had in the last couple of years, doesn't seem to be making um, the biggest difference, and it's just the absolute obstacle Nebraska has to overcome, um, and it's a huge one, obviously, when you're trying to get things going in the running or the passing game. Well, I I think recruiting is 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 front and center number one um i think nebraska is has got to thank their lucky stars in a couple different ways that they had some things happen the way that they did 
where you, you've had a couple players, you know, like there's potential. There was there was a lot more potential there with Prohaska, I think, a season ago, and he's still kind of understanding and figure and was figuring out things with that knee, and and still suffers another injury, and and you know, and, and he's yet to come back. But but guys like Prohaska, if they're not in Omaha, I don't know where a lot of things are at. Or even like Lutowski, what happens if if Iowa doesn't offer Lutowski? If you if you looked at the offensive line. And you realize that you're talking about, you know, like um, a couple guys moving over from the defensive side of the football, having to kind of fill in some things with, with portal transfer, uh, moving. So, I mean, Cam Jurgens, he wasn't an offensive line target. He's a converted tight end. So there have been players, and, and they've, had to, they've had to move players over there from other positions to kind of get things to go. So you've had, you've had a lack of development. And you've really missed on some recruiting and re- on some recruiting when it comes to that position. And you've gotten lucky in some other areas um, that things could, if you could imagine, could actually be worse. So um, I, I, I really feel like that's a that's a that's a group of positions that's going to get a lot of attention come this fall, where they're starting to look for you know where where are we looking for people and what are the guys that are that are here currently. Where do they really belong? Or do they have a future on this team? Do we have to have a conversation? Does this guy who's a tackle really need to play guard, you know, et cetera, and, and try to kind of go through all that stuff? That's, that's going to be, a, that's gonna be a, like the wide receiver room and how quickly it flipped like with Applewhite or with, uh, with Mickey Joseph or the running back room, how quickly it flipped with Applewhite. I could see something very similar happening with the offensive line room uh, after this season. Ah, very interesting stuff. Uh, also, I, we brought up recruiting a little bit. I don't want to get there. Of course, it's not a home game, but how is Nebraska doing in the recruiting world as of late? So they make another offer to a 2024 in-state offensive lineman and Mason Goldman from Gretna. Uh, I kind of felt like things were, were trending that way. I, I I maybe thought that it was going to be as a defensive prospect and not an offensive prospect. I kind of had the feeling that Nebraska might be full, you know, and, and kind of moving into just going and taking their, their chances in the portal. But they have uh, identified Mason Goldman as an offensive lineman, uh, as an offensive tackle. He's he's a little light. He's like 6'4", 240, 245-ish. But, you know, I, I think that the potential is there. He's a great athlete. He understands technique. Um, and I think that there's a lot to be said about guys that, that understand that stuff earlier on and then how you basically then build up that person if they understand the technique and winning those battles as opposed to uh, a guy, you know, now, as opposed to a guy that's that's heavier that can just get by alone just on this physical presence. I mean, there's something to be said about those guys that have to go out there and play, play the game properly with proper technique. And Mason Goldman is doing that. He's got great technique. He's a great athlete. Uh, and then he also had a walk on, a walk on, uh, uh, recruit, uh, commitment this weekend as well for another guy from Gretna, Corver Dema, um, kind of going to play inside linebacker, a little bit of a change from what he's done at Gretna, but a guy that understands that, you know, not a lot of six foot two defensive end edge type guys walking around out there. Lot to, there's a lot to like about him when you put on his film and you watch him, but uh, that's a guy that's going to work really, really hard to get on the football field at Nebraska. So I think that's, uh, that's a good get for Mickey Joseph and the staff. Oh, very great stuff. Always informative and always entertaining. Brian Munson joining us every Friday here uh, from Husker Online. Thank you again, Brian. 
So go Gophers and go Huskers, right? That's yep. right. That's the rule. Row right. the boat. All right, guys. Be good. <laughs> Thanks, right, Brian. We'll see you. There he goes. Brian Munson, once again, of Husker Online. We better take a quick break uh, before we get to the best ticket sales from around the country. Woo! We look at that every Friday. Cash. There's some. There's a lot of cash <laughs> going around the nation. A lot of top 25 battles. So we'll get into that and also lie. embarrass a few teams that uh, didn't do too well as far oh. as their ticket sales this week. So we'll do that coming up next year on the Ticket Water Cooler, 93.7 The Ticket.